Let's see what drama the Texas Rangers and the Toronto Blue Jays have in store for us tonight, Kevin Barker. Um, speaking of drama, the New York Yankees look like they are going to be providing an endless amount of drama this season. Are you surprised that Aaron Judge would turn down? Uh, what was, eight, the, what was eight, the final the number that, that was eight, made public? Eight for 231. Eight years, two hundred and thirty-one he'd be, million. He'd be thirty sometime this year, I think, or he, if he's already, he might already be thirty. Aaron Judge set a deadline of first pitch opening day to uh, negotiate an extension with the Yankees. That deadline has come and passed, as Kevin Barker said. Eight years and two hundred thirty-one million did not do it for Aaron Judge. Yeah. we've talked about Rafael Devers' situation with the Red Sox. We've talked about now uh, Judge's situation with the New York Yankees. Guys who are big-time players, key players, big-time personalities. Both of them, we can now say, in the middle, they will be playing their seasons in the middle of contract issues. Although, as I've said, I've never understood why the hell. Someone's going to give me $231 million. They can do it on Christmas. They can do it on my birthday. They can do it on Christmas Day. I don't care when they give it to me. Does that work in the Blue Jays' favor? Does, does stuff like that, do you think, could it be a distraction over the course of the year for those two teams? Yeah, I don't think so. The the Aaron Judge thing, just to you know, to answer your question about does that surprise you? Yeah, he's been in the big leagues for six years. He's hit five hundred at bats twice. Yeah, you know, and what he's hit more than twenty seven homers one time, two times. It's look, we have no idea what's going on. We have no idea what his agent thinks the number should be. But when you're talk, when you're his age and you've been injured as much as he's been injured. How how you could go home, driving home after the game, and go? That's right. I, that, that's this exactly what I should have done. It's turned down that much money. Just you know, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. But maybe he's got a plan. Hopefully this plan works out. Does it does it affect his play? Probably not. It, it may, you know, have a little bit more sense of urgency. He may think about programs off the field to make sure he's on the field a little bit more. You know, a little, a little less aggressive in the outfield. Little things to keep him on the field a little longer because we know if he plays, he's going to be really There good. are two cities in baseball where I would not want to be a player in the middle of a quote-unquote contract issue. One is New York. Yeah. And one is it's Boston. Aaron Judge, That's gonna, it's Aaron Judge. It's going to be a story. He's a giant human. I mean, there's there's only so many times you can walk up if you're a reporter and go, hey, what are you thinking about your, your contract you didn't sign? Oh, you I, they, I mean, there's only so many times before he says, I'm never talking to you again. Yeah. It'll be something to follow anyhow. I think yeah. it'll be uh, it'll be interesting, interesting stories. John Schneider is the bench coach of the Toronto Blue Jays. And uh, speaking of interesting stories, John, thanks for joining Kevin and myself as always. Uh, happy opening day, happy new year, all the usual salutations. We just spoke to Chris Woodward and asked him about PitchCom and how many Texas Rangers pitchers would be using. He, he said all our guys, starters, relievers. And he didn't say all his relievers. He just said all our starters, our relievers are going to use it. We like it. We bought into it. We think it moves the game along. I know we've talked a little bit about this in the past. Uh, without giving away state secrets here, um, how comfortable are the Blue Jays with with PitchCon? Uh, very, I think. You know, I think spring training was a good time to practice it, and I think a lot of our relievers are going to be using it tonight. Um, Jose is going to start not using it. Uh, he's still kind of getting used to it a little bit, but it definitely speeds up the the uh, pace of the game and, you know, the whole sign-stealing thing. I think that kind of puts an end to it. Um, 
And like anything in the game, new is always different, and I think guys have done a good job of getting used to it in spring and uh, looking forward to using it tonight and uh, the rest of the year. Snides, I'm an offensive player. You know, I think about every time a change made, how would that affect me at the plate? And you got to figure, it's a little quicker pace. Like, they're getting it and going. No doubt. Getting it and going. Is that, have you noticed any of the hitters go, man, we're going to have to, like, slow this thing down a little bit. Have you noticed that? Yeah, the cadence is just a little bit different with the pitcher on the mound. We actually talked about it in the advance meeting yesterday, uh, just as a friendly reminder, all the hitters, that most guys are going to be using it, and you've got to kind of you know, be on, on alert when you're in the box, and it's going to come a little bit quicker than they're used to. So it's definitely going to take probably a couple weeks to really you know, see how it unfolds and get really used to it. But like anything, man, I, I did the pitch clock in the minor leagues, and it was weird at first, but then you get used to it. So I think it's going to be the same thing with this. It's the cadence will be a little bit different in between pitches, but over a couple of weeks, I think it'll be uh, kind of business as usual. Have you noticed something different about the catchers? I know you're a catcher guy. Uh, you know, I, I would think it'd be easy for a pitcher to make an adjustment. Maybe that little sound going off in their hat that you get past that, you know, you, you make the adjustment that way. But a catcher, you know, he's got to look down, get the sign, flip his wrist over, put the, you know, hit the button a couple of times. Have you noticed that they have to make an adjustment? A little bit. You know, we were actually watching the game today in the Yankees, the Higashi had the little thing on his shin guard, which looked was like, oh, that's a cool idea. Just a little bit different, a little easier to navigate. But, uh, you know, Jano and Kirky and Zach, um, you know, Chicago did a ton of it in spring training, so Zach's well-versed. And Jano and Kirky are comfortable with it. And it's cool because you can kind of program it to whatever you're comfortable with. So whatever, you know, is actually being said in their ear is different for each pitcher and uh, location is different for each pitcher, that kind of stuff. And uh, our catchers are ready to roll with it. A couple of questions about Bo and Vladdy for you because you've been around these guys since, they, since they've been in the organization. First of all, Dan Shulman reminded us today that they have not experienced opening day at the Rogers Center as member of the Toronto Blue Jays. And it just tells you how, much, how many different odd things have happened in the past <laughs> yeah. couple of years. So one, you know them pretty well. How, what will that mean to them? And another question is someone who's known these guys that well. Just tell us how far they, they've come. Because we look at them, they're both super talents, obviously, elite players. Vladdy's an MVP candidate. But at some point, you've got to sit back and go, man, I remember working with those guys in, in the minors. I remember being with them in double A. I remember riding buses with them. And, God, they're, you know, they're, they're stars. Yeah, it's. I, I think just you know, in regards to tonight, you know, Bo has spoken about it publicly, and I know Vladdy, you know, how he's thinking about it. They're very excited to experience this crowd and this stadium in a full capacity, and obviously opening day. And and guys like them, they thrive on the spotlight. It seems whether it's their debut or a home run derby or big games last year, they are very very unique in the way that they can kind of silence out all the outside noise and and uh, you know just do what they're accustomed to doing and at a really high level um and for me you know it's it's kind of the same i'm looking forward to the crowd tonight we haven't really seen it since 2019 either but um in terms of them and they uh, they're really unique you kind of saw it in the minor leagues with them you know you were working on specific things in the minors but you knew because of their demeanor and you know their upbringing that they were just a little bit different a little you know a little bit of a different category and it's been really fun to watch them transition uh from rookies in 2019 to going through what it went through in 2020 and 2021 and then having them really just turn into these really recognizable, like you said, MVP-type caliber players. Uh, they're the same guys in the clubhouse, the way they work, the way they act, the way they treat their teammates. They are 
what you're shooting for when you're trying to, you know, build a young core and then bring in pieces around it. So they're uh, they're studs, man. That's the best way I can say it. Snides, I don't know if you turned the TV on lately, but every time I turned it on, I see that the Blue Jays are, are winning the World Series. I, <laughs> I, I see that, you know, seven or eight different people yelling and screaming about how good the Blue Jays well, are. Well, there is one person and in this booth that did not pick them to win the World Series. Kev, is that you, Kev? Uh, I lo- look, you know Come I on, love man. you. know I love you. <laughs> I got you in the World Series. Okay. <laughs> how All about right. that? You know, once you get there, anything can happen. Okay. <laughs> I know you're a very, very confident person, obviously. But has this, you know, I, I don't want to say this is outside noise. You just talked about that, the superstars. They all know how to do that. And then there's everybody else. Have you had that conversations with everybody else about let's, you know, try and tone this back a little bit? We know we're good. Just go out there and, and you know, lunch pail kind of thing. Right. It, it has, it, has it changed your you know, conversations, mindset as a coaching staff that you think, okay, we have to get together here, get some guys and say – this is what we have to do here, right? I don't think so, man. It's cool because we've all been together for four years now as a staff, and the majority of these guys have been here as well. And now it's kind of everything we've been preaching for the past three years or so in terms of culture and environment and being a good teammate and getting along off the field. They're kind of living it, and they're doing it right now. So we don't really have to say much, and we treat these guys no different than we did a year ago or two years ago. And to their credit, they're not different guys because they've had success at this level. So... I think, if anything, we're embracing the, you know, the opportunity that we have and we're embracing the talent that is on the team. And, um, you know, you want to be in the position that we're in. You want people to know that you're good and you want to be viewed as a team that plays the game the right way and prepares well. And the biggest thing now is just taking care of ourselves from a health standpoint and not getting too high or too low. You know, it's a long, long grind. And uh, I think last year showed us that. And, you know, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but I think that we're pretty well prepared for anything that's going to come our way. Uh, last question before I let you run, and we will be joined by Charlie at 430. I'll ask him this as well, obviously, but you, the Jays did make a move for Bradley Zimmer last night. Um, what what will he bring to this team? How does he, how does he complement what you already have? Uh, I think more versatility, uh, outstanding defender, outstanding base runner. It gives Charlie... You know, a lot of options in-game, late in-game, picking the right spots to get his bat in there. Obviously, we're a right-handed heavy lineup, and having the handedness in there, too, helps as well. But kind of a guy that, you know, he was a big, highly touted prospect, first-rounder with Cleveland, and, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and hopefully a change of scenery is good for him. Uh, but I think with what we have here in terms of the guys we roll out there every day, he's an awesome complement to, uh, to their skill set with what he's bringing in as well. John, we're going to let you run. Thank you so much for doing this, as always. You bet, guys. Have a great year, my friend. Thank you. Go get them, buddy. All right, Kev. See you, man. See you. John Schneider is a bench coach of the Toronto Blue Jays. The Jays have changed some of the assignments for the coaches around. They've added some other... Uh, some other other coaches as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, John Schneider's be, be, be quite. Be, I was going to say quietly become an important guy in this organization. He's he's become an important guy in this organization, not just because he knows Bo and Vladdy, but because you look at where this team's depth is, and you look at how important the catching the catcher's role is is in this organization and just how how deep this organization yeah. is in catchers. He's he's really important. I, I, I look at him as the kickstand of this team. I, I, I really do. The, the guy that, that when the players are going bad, that he's seen most of these players, came up with most of these players. He knows what it takes to, to make them tick. Mm-hmm. Whenever they're going bad, they can walk over to him. He's sort of their kickstand. He's somebody they can he can they can lean on. He can give them advice about this. Well, remember? This is what happened when you were in double-A. This is what happened when we were together. Try that. Try this. You know, he's got a soft voice. You can tell every time he talks. People want to stop and listen to him. You know, for me, it's it's the right choice at the right time, you know, to to make him – 
sit right beside Charlie. I know Charlie respects him a whole lot and, and believes in what he says, what he's preaching. You know, it's a, it's a, they, they need these guys. They, they need coaches that know how to get it done. And quite frankly, he's one of those guys that, that's at the front of the line. Okay, we're, we're now into sort of I, it, roughly year three of the Bo and Vladdy experience. Roughly year three. Mm-hmm. Um, what are they? What is Bo? What is Vladdy? Well, obviously, Vladdy's MVP candidate. Get a left, but Batman or Robin? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. How about that? I don't think. In this discussion with some people at the field level yesterday, we were talking about. You know, I've said I think Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is going to be the guy that's going to take a big step He'll this year. To. Maybe a Teoscar type step. Mm-hmm. But we 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 kind of just look at those guys and go, yeah, they're good. I don't think we've seen the best year from either of those guys. I don't think it. I, I don't think we've seen the best season. See, I, I, I've said I've said that Vladdy's Albert Pujols, where it's three hundred uh, thirty and hundred every single year. Now he can, you know, those numbers can be higher than that. Obviously, every mm-hmm. single year, and I think this year they probably have to be with no Marcus Simeon and that production right. offensively. He's going to have to make up for it a little bit, right? So, you know, that they could be inflated a little bit more than the thirty and the hundred, but. Uh, look, do we have any idea what Bo is? I, I haven't noticed a, a tremendous change in his offensive approach. Uh, you know, he still has the two-strike approach. That's why I love him in the cleanup spot. I know, right, he can use the entire field. Uh, he can hit secondary pitches. That slider, strike the ball, that's the one thing with two strikes, runners in scoring position. You could argue he's the guy you want up. Mm-hmm. That's why me and you have been screaming, hit him in the cleanup spot. But, I, you know, it's it's very it's almost impossible to answer that question. Like, like it's... I, I think we should just stop trying to do that. Like, just enjoy. Enjoy, just what, enjoy. enjoy what we're seeing, how hard they work, the early work. How, how long have we been up here? Well, an hour and hour and We got here around 2 minutes. o'clock, and Vladdy was out there 2.15. They're still taking ground balls. Yeah. I haven't seen them pick up a bat yet. Uh, no. That, that will no, tell you how right. much they've advanced in their career. It's, a, it's sort of the Blue Jay weight now. You catch it, you pitch good. We all know what you can do offensively. That's not your issue. They are here working on it. It's, yeah, again, I, I'm, I'm trying not to be one of those guys that go, oh, man, Vladdy's got to hit 50 or he's not going to have a good year. No. Be the, be the guy that, you know, is consistently going to be there every single game. You know what you're going to get. It's going to be tough at bats. And at the end of the year, the numbers will be where they're, they're ultimately going to be. And for Bo, be the quarterback on the field. You're the shortstop. That's the way it is. It comes with the position. If he's that, again, I just think me and you and everybody else that watch this, enjoy it. Don't put a number on it. The Rogers Center has undergone some changes. You will see it tonight if you come out to the game. The scoreboard, which is scoreboard's bloody bright. I mean, yeah, we were in. I came in here yesterday when there was nobody on the field. And you stare that sucker long enough, and it starts moving. Uh, <laughs> it does. I got to be honest with you. You know what the first thing I thought of was? What? Whenever you're hitting and you're going bad, and that, how big that scoreboard oh, is. Oh yeah. No, and how bad the like 140 is how, when you when you stink. How huge? It's right, all you got to do is peek right above yeah. the pitcher's head. You're going to be able to see. Yeah, you're going to know That's when the you. the first thing you know, I thought. You're going to know when you suck. I mean, you really <laughs> yeah, are. Yeah. But the other thing too, they've made changes <laughs> with the lighting here, and I wanted to ask you about this because um, I was down in the field yesterday during the workout, and it was noticeable. Yeah. Even to these 62-year-old eyes, it was noticeable that 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 it, that it's brighter, that it, it that it's different. Um, do guys have to get used to that? No, I don't think so. I I, I think it's 
the the odd places at the field they have to get used to, which is not they don't really have any here. The the, the brightness of the lights, look, that's a plus. It's a mm-hmm. the more you, the better you see it, the quicker you're going to see it. That gives you an opportunity to be under control. How many times whenever it's dark and, you know, you can't see in certain parts of the field, like used to when I played here in 2006, it was dark and left field. Right. Like like there's actually shadows out yes. there. And it's, very, it's almost impossible, and you'd have to really concentrate. Like if you were, you know, out there lollygagging and not paying attention to what's going on, ball goes up, you're up the creek. So now it's, you know, I, I'm not saying that that's what they're doing now, but I'm just saying the brighter it is, it keeps everybody a little bit more under control. When you're more under control, you tend to catch the balls that you're supposed to catch, and that's what I'm going to see here. By the way, did you just see where Matt Chapman caught that ground ball? Yeah, Just the one before, Matt Chapman caught it. You see, that, that's Charlie at second base. Now, Matt Chapman, move over like f- five steps. Matt Ch- Chapman, again, it's just it's, it's defensive drills. He cut across bow and s- very smoothly got it. Yeah, it, it's, for me, it's impressive how deep he plays. It's not easy to play that deep at third base and be confident enough that you're, you can be accurate with your throws and, and that internal clock that Bo talks about all the time. He's mastered. It just looks like now I haven't seen him enough to know. i, I got to be honest with you. The Oakland games, as late as they are, you yeah. see him occasionally, right? It's not like you're tuning in every single day. But when I saw him in spring training, I saw him on the half field. Even the half field, you know, the half field is not – this size, obviously, and he's playing in the grass, yeah. in, in the fake grass at the half field, doing his thing just because that's where, he, you know, he wants that routine of being in the same spot all the time and where the throws are going. He's just got confidence. He oozes confidence defensively when you have a guy like that. It makes everybody else around you that much better, and when you're that much better, it gives that guy on the mound more confidence to throw his best stuff. And yeah, I think that's I'm, what he's doing. I'm really interested in seeing in seeing up it's got close, a cannon too, the impact. The I, I was just going to say, if you're down in the field field level and you watch him throw, it is it is freaking remarkable. Like Scott Rowland, Scott Rowland was a great defensive, great defensive third baseman. Um, you know, I didn't cover the team when Kelly Gruber was here. I wasn't in Toronto at the time, but uh, man, I, I you know, talking to some people around the organization. Well, we had uh, uh, we had. Uh, uh, John Schneider on a couple of days ago, we t- we talked about it, and he said he is a game changer defensively. Yeah. He yeah. he is a he is a defense I, I, he is a defensive weapon. I don't know. He is a defensive uh, weapon. There, there was a pitcher we had on before, and I want to say it was Dallas from, Braden. It, exactly, that's exactly who it was, and I remember what he was saying about it gives that pitcher confidence to throw his best pitch when it matters the most. You're tired, runner on second base. You're about to come out of the game. Do you really want to spin it because right the the, the, the defense behind you, mm-hmm. you don't really have confidence in he just oozes that confidence again it's you know he's, he's a human being he's going to make some errors but i just think the ground he covers he hides Bo's weakness which for me is the biggest deal in all this because of the two lefties you got the ground ball you got guy you got in barrios he hides it which allows Bo to play closer to second base and i think that will just in that where he's standing will give him enough confidence that I think we'll see better throws. We'll see the footwork is that much better. And the momentum towards the target. That, for me, is the one thing that I saw in spring training that I really noticed with Bo that he put a real emphasis on was when you finish it, follow it. It's the Derek Jeter thing. Derek Jeter didn't have the strongest arm, but he always followed his throw. Follow it, and I mm-hmm. think that's what you're going to see more of Bo from. Yeah, the, uh, I had a chance to, to just chat very briefly with Matt Chapman yesterday during the workout. Um, and uh, talked to some players about him as well, and he is uh, 
he he has fit in here seamlessly. He is a an important part of what goes on in this clubhouse. Not just a, we're looking at his defensive yeah. drills right now. He's an important part of what what goes on. With this is this, the ship. With this, this group. This is where they're going to play in the ship. Bo's going to be on the the first base side of second oh, yeah. base, and then you're going to have Chapman closer to the shortstop. So this is why they're practicing this. It's look, look again. I, I keep bringing up 2006 when I played here. We never did this. Like, I mean, we again, we've been here an hour and a half. We've not seen anybody hit. All, no, nobody, all they've done is is take infield, early work defense. So it's you can say, you can tell what they've really been talking about and, yeah. and what it's going to take to win a championship. That, that's interesting because I haven't seen Bo on that side that often in the shift. No, this is what it is, right? It's the different angles. It's the, the way the ball comes off the bat. It's the way when the ball hits the ground, which way it's going to go. You got to get a, you know, you got to get everything in a position. If you need to turn a double play, how do you do it? Well, I know how because I'm, I'm doing it in early work, and then when the game starts, it's free and easy because I've been there and done it before. Uh, first pitch tonight is expected to be sometime after 7.30. There will be a rather lengthy pregame ceremony as the Rangers and Jays start the 2022 season. John Gray on the mound for the Rangers. The Jays will send Jose Barrios to the mound. The Jays lineup, which uh, we had, and the I guess the main, the main story out of the lineup is that Bo Bichette is hitting second and Vladdy. Uh, Vladdy is in the third spot, and there had been a lot of talk in spring training that Vladdy was going to hit second and Bo would go down into the cleanup spot. And again, we're not going to make too much out of this because these things, these things tend to change. But uh, it, it's, at least, it's at least noteworthy. And I think we saw it. We got hints of this, Kevin, as spring training went on because towards the end of spring training, Vladdy was back in third and, 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 and Bo was back at second. Um, so we, we we saw hints of, of, of where it was going. Yeah, to go. I, I don't I don't think we should come on here every single day that we see that and make a big deal out of it. Like, you got to remember too that you know they are really good hitters. Really doesn't matter where they're at in the lineup. This is a team thing because of where they're hitting and because what analytics says that if Vladdy's hitting in the two spot, he gets about eighteen or nineteen more at bats. Well, more production, more runs, more runs you score, more games you win. That's the whole point in this, but you also got to have buy-in of the player. You said this a billion times. If you don't have buy-in from your superstar, then you're probably not going to get his fullest, and that's what they're trying to do. Who, how dare Charlie? You know, I, I'm sure that's what Charlie's thinking. I, I know what analytics says, but how dare I not listen to, to Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and he's going to. Uh, if you're interested, by the way, the Jays roster right now, 15 pitchers, 13 position players. No move has been made, at least that we're aware of, for Bradley Zimmer, who was acquired for Anthony Castro. You heard Dan Schulman on the show uh, earlier, and Bradley Zimmer is a left-hand hitting outfielder. We'll give them some, we'll give them depth at center yeah. at center field. He is, he is, let's put it this way, if you had to go with, with a center fielder for a week in the absence of George Springer, you'd probably rather go with Bradley Zimmer than Rymel Top. Yeah, Tapia. I'm not sure how you keep them both sharp, though. That, that's the big thing here is how Charlie does that, how many at-bats they get. Well, know? one of them probably DH the day that, 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 I, I that Alejandro there, Kirk catches, there's right? There's other guys that can DH, too. I'm sure George Springer's going to DH a lot this year. That's why they got Zimmer is to put him in center field. He is a really good defender. You're not going to miss a beat there. It might be an upgrade defensively over George Springer, but the ultimate goal there is, you know, and I think also when I saw Tapia in, in center field in spring training, I walked away going, eh. Like, I wasn't like, man, I can't wait to see him there more. He's a guy who's... He, he's a left fielder. He's a left fielder, and he's a guy whose best weapon is his speed. And yep. you you hope if he's in center field that the speed makes up for some of the routes he's going to take and some of the some of the mistakes that he's going to make. But, yeah, like I said, I think there's a reason they went out and got Bradley Zimmer and and 
this gets back to what we were talking about comparing this season to 2013, which was the last time anybody had the Blue Jays going to the World Series. You look at the depth on this squad. You look at the depth of AAA, and, and I include uh, Gabriel Moreno down there, and there's no comparison. Yeah, you know what they're doing? There's no me, comparison. They're, they're not waiting until it actually happens. Yes, exactly. Got it on the exactly. team already. If George Springer goes down, you got to figure something's going to happen a little. You hope he doesn't miss 35, 40 games. But you got to think he might miss a week or so. Yep. You already got the guy here. You don't have to go out and try to hunt it and find it. And then you're working on chemistry and how do you well, work him and, in? And you know what happens? He's already here. You know what happens? When something happens and you have to go out and get somebody right away, you over, you end up overpaying. So at least... <laughs> At least these guys give you a little give you a little flexibility when it comes to 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 getting a a replacement. If you need a replacement, at least you don't have to pick up the phone and get it done tonight. You know you can go with it through the weekend and and see how it see how it turns yeah, out. I don't know about you, but I, I'm thinking the next move we see is another bullpen arm. Yeah, I'm not not just a name either. A legit guy that's been around before that knows leverage you. high. You know when it matters the most, Charlie's got that guy that he knows if I give the ball to. We got a real good chance of closing that game out. I'm absolutely with you. Speaking of Charlie, we are talking, of course, about Charlie Montoyo, the Blue Jays manager. He's currently out around center field. I think he's no, maybe he's come in. He was doing some drills as well. Uh, sorry, second base. Charlie, of course, was a second baseman uh, during his playing days. And uh, Charlie Montoyo is scheduled to join us when we come back. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and English. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of my favorite things to watch before a Blue Jays game, if you get here early enough, Charlie Montoya is going to join us in a few minutes. One of my favorite things to watch are the bomb-sniffing dogs yeah. that go around the ballpark. Yeah. Now, you have not seen anything as happy as a bomb-sniffing dog walking around a place where there are about 150 balls on the field. <laughs> I, I am serious. It is like the happiest. Look at the, look at the, look at the tail. Look at the tail yeah. there. Cutie. It's like the happiest dog in Toronto right now, and yeah. his handler's got a good grasp on him. Cause, yeah, because, you know, a dog and a ball, I mean, I would assume chaos. I would assume he's, he's not like that when he finds one. No, and he's, as no. a matter of fact, there he goes right by Charlie Montoyo now. Charlie <laughs> Montoyo is the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. He joins us in Blair and Barker. Charlie, thank you so much for joining Kevin and myself. First of all, congratulations on the contract extension. Secondly, without giving away any state secrets, <laughs> do you make a clubhouse speech to the players before the start of the year do you address the group and if you can maybe let us because i know this is going to be a special night for a lot of people if you can maybe let us have a little sneak preview of what what you were going to say to the players what you would normally say to players actually uh by the way i'm mic'd so you guys got to be careful with what you say <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm just kidding no <laughs> No, so actually I already had the meeting in spring training. Okay. And you know it, it's 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 actually it was a good meeting, <laughs> in my opinion. And it was more about you know because everybody talks about our hitting and and rightly so because we have a good lineup. But at the end of the day, uh, to win in the American League and the American League East, you have to pitch and you have to catch the ball. And that's that's what happened last year when we got really good. We started pitching good, and we started catching the ball, and that's when we took off last year. So that was more or less my message this year. 
And one uh, thing that I always use, uh, like to be good, it's not enough when you dream about being great. We we're really good last year. Now we need to be great to, you know, to get, you know, into the playoffs and so on. Charlie, we all we all know how offensively uh, good you guys are. But in spring training, we started seeing you a little bit more aggressive on the bases, some more hit and runs, and you know, some more letting them go a little bit. Right? We saw we saw Vladdy still on the base. You know, run through a stop sign at third base. He's showing off. You know the body and the, and the athleticism that he has. Is that is that going to be something we're going to see a lot more of? Are you going to turn these guys loose during the game? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we we got the the talent to to run and and we're going to run. You know, that's for sure. And it's funny because bloody that is faster than people think. You know, like honestly, he could be a 30-30, he could be 20-40, whatever you want to call it. Of course, we don't want him stealing that many bases because we want him healthy. But the t his talent is that good that he could be that he could do that. Charlie, when you go out there tonight and, you know, you have the opening ceremonies and the players are introduced along the lines, and Dan Schulman told us, I've forgotten about this, it's, it's the first time Bo and Vladdy are going to experience opening day at the Rogers Center. Um, what's going to go, what goes through your mind during opening day? Because, you know, your path here was, was long, a lot of hard miles. Is it a moment of reflection for you? Is it a moment of pride or... How would you describe that sense when you come on the field, your name is announced, and 40,000 people are cheering, and then your team <laughs> comes on the field, and they're, they're being cheered? Well, first of all, I'm hoping I'm smiling and not crying, because <laughs> I know the cameras are going to be on me. <laughs> yeah, once it, once it happens once, they're on you yeah, forever. Yeah, you know that. yeah, I've seen that commercial now for <laughs> So, yes, I, I'm, I'm going to try not to cry, but... Honestly, I'm, I'm so proud of my team and and what we accomplished to get to this point. And so, yeah, of course, it's going to be a sense of pride uh, of the team that we have and, and where we are right now at this moment in, in you know, in our, of course, in our, you know, uh, time in three years. You know, it's, I think it's awesome. This, this team is, is ready to win. Uh, Charlie, I, I know they just made an acquisition of Bradley Zimmer. Uh, how will he fit in when he gets here to this team what what kind of options what you know how do you think you might use him when he gets here yeah so so bradley it's a, an above average outfielder so for sure it's going to help us defensively and you know you guys hear me talk all all the time about defense and defense and he's going to make us better in the outfield he he could pinch run you know he, he could do many stuff that can help us win games and and so i think it's he's going to be a great addition to us you have obviously speaking of defense matt chapman one of if not the best defensive third baseman in the game we were just watching some drills some shifts bow over in the the uh, the, the left side of second his left side of second base charlie i get the sense that matt chapman can be a game changer for you guys defensively the way a lot of your players are game changers offensively so he when i found out that we got him i think it was about around midnight and I just couldn't sleep that night. I was doing abs and, and lifting weights and stuff because I was so excited. Because <laughs> what he does to us, you know, how, how much better a defense going to get. You know, you don't see guys around. He, he, like you said, he might be the best third baseman in baseball. And he's a difference maker. And he's going to help us so much. And I'm so happy that we got him. Uh, noticing the lineup tonight, I know that in spring training, Vladdy hit second a couple of times. Bo hit, hit cleanup. Bo is in the second spot now. Vladdy's hitting third. Um, is, is there, you know, are you are you prepared to be a little fluid, a little, uh, yeah, a little fluid with the lineup, or 
at some point, you know, do you have to have a set lineup in your mind and say this is where guys are going to hit and that's all there is to it? No, the one thing about spring training that I like to do is do different lineups because you don't want to do a, a new lineup and people being there for the first time when the season starts and you don't want to do that. So uh, that's one of the reasons I move guys around. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to have a set lineup, but of course I want the same guys playing every day. And, and you know, our lineup, you know, Vladi could hit second, but, it, you know, Bobby Shea can also do it, who, you know, is one of the best uh, young hitters in baseball. So uh, when it comes to our lineup, I just want the guys to be healthy, and, and if, they're, if they're healthy, we can have a chance to score many runs. Last question before we let you run. I want to talk about the bullpen. Compare the bullpen you have now to the bullpen you broke camp with last year. It just you, There's a lot more familiarity with guys like Richards and Simber and, and Romano, isn't there? Yes, yeah, so for sure, you know, again, we took off when we started pitching well, and Richards and Zimber were one of those two additions that we made to this club that got us going. And believe me, I'm, they're going to be here from the beginning. I'm so happy that they're here. And, of course, you know, Romano and Meza. And, of course, Phelps is back, and Phelps is looking good. So if Phelps pitches like he always has in the past, he's going to be a great addition again for, for this year's bullpen. Charlie, we're going to let you run. Really good of you to do this. Thanks so much. Uh, have a, en Enjoy tonight and have a great season, my friend. Th Thanks as Thanks, always. Thanks, Charlie. Thank you, guys. Always good talking to you. Take care. That is Charlie Montoyo, manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. And, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, – well, we talked about how special opening day is for uh, players and, and, and everybody and how special it's going to be for fans in this city as well. But I always kind of think that, especially given – Given the paths a lot of managers take to come up here, given the places he's managed, the yeah. places he's played, the hard miles he's put in. <laughs> yeah. I can relate to that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's got to be – boy, it's got to be a – there has to be something about opening day or opening night where you, you kind of step back and it just kind of resonates. It just sticks in so your mind you're saying, how far I've gone. So you're saying if come. there's one guy that's allowed to cry, it's Charlie. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, yeah, I, I think – I got to tell you, I think that's one of Charlie Montoyo's strengths. I think one of his strengths is the fact that he is not afraid to show that side of himself emotionally. Now, there are, and you know, there are managers who wouldn't do that. But Charlie has an ability to do that and be disarming because of the way he reacts to it. And, and I, I will say this. That scene where he came in to the Rogers Center, and, you know, he's right. We see it time and time again. But that was... I think a significant moment for a lot of people because we do look at professional athletes and you know, these guys get paid a ton of money. They travel well, they live in, you know, they stay in nice hotels. They've got the best of everything. But that was kind of a cool moment for me because it did bring home the fact that this was a team that, you know, I, I guarantee you four years ago, Nobody in this team would have thought they'd be playing in Dunedin in regular season games nope. and playing in Buffalo and then coming back here and going through COVID tests and, and you know, and playing in front of 15,000 people and their families can't come up and all this. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's not road work. And, and, and COVID interrupted a lot of, a lot of norms for families, and, and a lot of people died because of it. But I kept thinking back to that. Guys didn't sign up for that. You, you just don't sign up for that. And I yeah. – that that was that was Charlie's a telling a good man. moment. I think that's what it is. Every player that I've talked to about Charlie, even the ones he he had in the minor leagues, I can remember playing against Charlie. Yeah, going to Durham and playing against Charlie. He's a very nice man. Like that that would be the first thing out of everybody's mouth is, "Well, how's your manager like?" Oh, he's the greatest dude ever. Yeah. He's just like we are. Yeah, he's relatable. 
And I think that's sort of, you know, they, they always, a lot of people ask me, is, is Charlie the right guy for this team? Look, it, is it really that hard to make out this lineup? You know, again, you, you've said this till, till you're blue in the face about a, a manager's job is the bullpen. Mm. Bringing that guy in at the right time. And I think, you know, Ross has simplified it enough for Charlie now that he's got his ninth, eighth and ninth inning guy, and now you're trying to bridge the gap to those guys, and they got enough. He mentioned he mentioned the Simbers and the Trevor Richards and the David Phelps. Now that'll be a nice addition if he can come back and, you know, be the guy that we think he can be. So I, I just, you know, I, th- I think Charlie's gotten a lot better at his communication skills. I think he's gotten more comfortable of being a leader of men at this level because it's different. I, I talk to this about Char- with uh, Snyder a lot. That's the big difference between the minor leagues and here is you got to be comfortable going up to a grown man who makes a lot of money, a lot more money than you do, and easing things, you know, lineups and how much you're not playing. you got to be good at that, and I think Charlie's gotten a lot better at that. And I do think he's the right guy right now for this team. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I think that he I, – I keep getting back to this, and I know you tend to roll your eyes when I say it, but – I said, I mean, I have to be honest. And I said when Charlie got the job and Bo and Vladdy came, out, came up here, that Charlie Montoyo's job was to be Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s first major league manager and get him through all the hurdles. And his job with Bo was to help get him through all the hurdles. And I understand. There are coaches, and you're right. Coaches play an important role in players' development. Um, you know, there are, I mean, God, look at, the, look at the people down in the field here. There are a gazillion yeah. and one you know, support staff here. They're, they're, players get a lot of support, but you know as well as I do, if if Vladdy hadn't had the the two years he's had, if Bo hadn't had the year he'd had, we'd be looking at Charlie Montoya and saying he failed. We would. That's yeah. that's human nature. That's and I think Charlie understands that. that. And, I, and that's why I was, whatever happens, whatever happens. Charlie Montoya was the guy that helped Bo and Vladdy establish themselves as bona fide stars. Sometimes you got to be real good. I something. think you got to be a really good listener, and, yes. and I think that's what Charlie is, especially with those two guys. You know, it, it's it's not everybody's treated equal. It, it doesn't work that way. Yes. Like you're going to treat Vladdy different than you're going to treat Kevin Barker. Yeah, it's just the way it is, right? Because he's an elite guy, and you know other people aren't. So you listen to to people like that, and I think Charlie's accepted that, right? It's this is what analytics say. But this is what he says. Mm-hmm. So what do I do as a manager? Do I want to, you know, do I want to make him mad right out the gate to, to make our team a little bit better or the way I think it would be better? Or do I want to keep him happy? And I think he's buying into I'd rather have him happy. Yeah, and ultimately the players have to have confidence in you. They have to, to believe. That you'll listen. They, exactly. Yeah. The, the idea of having an open door is just. Uh, yeah, I remember. That's eyewash. <laughs> It is. It is. You know, ter- Terry Francona talked to- talks about this though. But you know, the stories about how guys would be playing chess with in Terry Francona's office. Yeah. They'd be, or, or they they go sorry chess. They go in to play dominoes in Terry Francona's office. Uh-huh. With players or some of his coaches and all that. And the idea was, yeah, the open door is eyewash. But the idea is, if you got if you got something to say, at least there's the guy. And now it's up to you to decide yeah. whether or not I'm comfortable doing it. But there's the guy. Yeah. Well, you're you're old. You're a little older school. You know. You know how it was. The, the door was not always open to everybody. Like it's just, that's just not the way it works. Like you got to read between the lines. Like whenever I was in the big leagues, I wasn't walking into you know a manager's office and going, "Why am I hitting seventh? <laughs> it just yeah. wasn't going to work that way. But other guys could that had been established guys. So there's a pecking order. 
This is the way life is. It's in, it's that way in any job. But I, I just do, I do think that Charlie's bought into. I, I know you have to mesh the two together. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's analytics will tell you this thing, and most of the time it works. But you also got to know what the feelings are. And if Flatty or Bo or George Springer or Teoscar Hernandez or Lord Escurial Jr. or Matt Chapman feel something differently than what the analytics is saying. you got to be able to go, okay, I'm buying into that. We haven't spent a great deal of time talking about tonight's starter, Jose Barrios, and of course acquired in a trade with the Minnesota Twins for Simeon Wood Richardson and uh, Austin Martin last year. Immediately came over here and made an impact. Immediately came over here and fell in love with his teammates and, and, and this organization and committed to a long-term contract. And what I liked about that news conference was, you know, it's a contract that includes a number of option years, but Jose Barrios talked about it as, as, as if it was they were guaranteed years. He referred to the length of contract as being seven years. He wasn't interested in, in, in the opt-out. That was, I think, a very strong message for this organization to send, that they were prepared to spend money to keep a guy away from free agency. He, he is a very smart man. He, he sees the roster. Like, you can go to another organization and have a better roster than this? No. That, I think that's, you know, again, you got to look at a guy saying that and think big picture. Where can I go that's better than this? How good can he be? Well, I, you know, I think if he established... we forget, he's not 31 years he, old. He he's is, a, he still is, relatively young. He is not. He, he is in a, in a, on a team that can score a lot of runs. And, and if he can establish spin, that, that for me is he's, he's curveball heavy, and he is in love with it. And if he can spin it, and he's got everything mechanically that goes into when I'm releasing it, it's going where I want it to go. Whether I want it to strike the ball, whether I want to steal a strike, whether I want to get back an account, it's whatever that is. But it's about establishing and spinning. If he can do that tonight, and he can do that all season. Again, it's he's going to have some of those times where it's just not working. And you can tell when it's not working. He'll be out there fighting it. He'll walk around the mound a little bit more. He'll rub more of the baseball. But I think that's one thing. If you're a fan coming to the game or you're a fan watching this on TV tonight, look for the spin. If he can establish the spin, it makes the sinker better. It makes the four-seamer better, and it makes his changeup better. And he likes throwing all four of them to both sides of the plate. Like, he'll throw all four of those to lefties. He'll throw all four of those to righties. But if he can establish the spin and get past the first inning. Again, you know, it's always the, the most common things with, with starting pitch and strike one. Pitch ahead. But pitching ahead for him, for me, is different. Pitching ahead a lot of the times is with spin. So look for that. The release point on the spin, the confidence of that. And, and the fingers, getting it down going, getting it down going. However that is, whether it's the pitch calm, whether it's the fingers, however it is. He can do that, get in the flow, get the release point. He'll be real good tonight. So, Park, let's, as we, we were on air for another eight minutes or so before we hand it off to Ennis and Brunt and Fan Drive. They are, by the way, at the Sportsnet Grill. If you're coming down here, drop by to say hi to them. Um, give me your three key checkpoints for the Blue Jays in 2022. Give me three, the three keys, the thing that, that you need to see. When we talk at the All-Star break and we're looking back at, 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 and we're looking at where the Jays are, you're going to point to these three things and say this is why they're successful. Yeah, well, the two, two of them for me is easy. The Kevin Gosman, uh, it, he has to step in and be the Kevin Gosman of the first half of last year for San Francisco, not the second half. If he can do that and fill in the blanks 
and be the guy that can follow Barrios because you don't really know what you're going to get from Kikuchi or Ryu. So for me, the Gosman effect will be coming back to the American League East. How's he handle that? He throws hard enough. Will the split finger, the two pitch thing work? You know, I know he's throwing more sliders, but will that work? Coming back, that's that's the one thing. Jordan Romano, for me, I don't think he can be good. I think he has to be great. I don't know about you, but every manager needs no-brainers. Tony La Russa with the White Sox, they're trying to make as many no-brainers out of that bullpen, yeah. and he's been around for a bazillion years. Well, why should Charlie be any different? So I think for Jordan, Jordan Romano, for me, at least, you know, not good, great. And the third one, right, you can mix in a bunch of the things. Maybe the bottom of the order on base percentage has to be really good. Charlie touched on it about – Creating havoc. And if you look throughout the American League East, the Blue Jays, I don't have the Blue Jays winning the American League East. I got the Rays. Yeah. What do the Rays do? They play really good defense. They're very athletic, right? The other two teams that are fighting with the Blue Jays don't. You That's the Yankees them. and the Red Sox. You can put pressure on them, movement, get them thinking about a lot of things. And for that, that screams bottom of the order. The bottom of the order can get on, right, and create some havoc. That on-base percentage is somewhere around 320. So that would give you three that I think if they yeah. can do those kind of things, they'll go They'll go where they want to go. It's fun, isn't it? It's unbelievable. I mean, this is – I was just sitting here looking at, you know, batting practices going on. You've got Bo down there and Chapman's in the cage, and, and it's just – it feels – yeah, it feels the way it's supposed to feel. You know, I can't wait. I cannot wait until we start getting folks in here, and I think gates are opening around 5 o'clock, so that's about 10 more minutes. It's going to be something else. Yeah. It, it really is. And it does. And Shai was right. This feels different. I remember 2013. 2013 started, those of you who don't remember, after the, the big trade with the Marlins and R.A. Dickey signed. And it started with, with, with R.A. Dickey. I think J.P. Aaron Seabee had like three passed balls in, in, the, in the opener. And uh, I remember after the game, a bunch of us were sitting there talking to R.A. Dickey. And R.A. Dickey was, you know, just said, hey, we got confidence in, in J.P. Aaron Seabee. We know he can get it done, and I got confidence in him. And I remember thinking, dude, we didn't ask you whether or not you would conference. He was being softball questioned <laughs> about the opener. And I thought, man, when the starting pitcher feels he has to tell. Yeah, talk tell, you into it. Talk you into yeah. it, and it's the opener. Things are going to go pear-shaped. But this is this this just feels different. You're going to have to take take my advice for it, This or, or take my word for it. This feels different than that year did. This is a I, deeper team. It's this, just... This, since I've been doing this job with you, this is the first year that I've seen anyway. On field is on the same page as the front office. Like, yeah, yes, like they are, they are together. Like if, if something's wrong, they're going to run out and fix it as soon as possible. Like they're, they're on the same side, and I think that's a big deal when you're dealing with young, athletic, sassy, we're better than you... They got their superstars now. They're trying to fill in the blanks. And look, who am I to tell them that they can't do it? Yeah, and but I'm not going to. Dan, Danny made the point too. They got a, a bit of a target in their back now. Absolutely. This year too. They're not going. They're, they're not the, going to. They're, they're not the, the little engine year. that could anymore. Nope. They're, they're not going to go sneak up on anybody. That's for sure. No, they are. Uh, they are a team that uh, the rest of the game has taken notice of. They are a team with a lot of expectations on them. And the good thing is, from a distance at least, they seem to be quite comfortable. They seem to be quite comfortable with those, with those expectations. But like anything else, it will depend on, it'll depend on the results. But man, everything I've, you know, everything you read about this team, everything you hear about them, Bo just put one into the batter's eye. Everything you hear about them, everything you read about them, you really do get the sense that this is a team that they're whether or not they take the next step, they are prepared to take the next step. 
they will not be surprised if they're successful. And that's sometimes that's half the battle. I think they're prepared to take the next step. What they do before the game starts is, is impressive. Like I said, we, we were here an hour and a half. They, they didn't take one swing. There's a lot of work that's gone into this. <laughs> sure there's, has. There's been... Been a Stars lot are on the field for over an hour taking ground balls. When's the yeah. last time you can say that about a Blue Jays team? Yeah, no, I uh, that that is that is something that certainly gets your attention. So, just to run you through this, the gates open in a few minutes. First, first pitch is, I mean, it's a 7:07 start, but with everything going on, Dan Schulman said more than likely it'll be sometime after 7:30. So if you're coming down here, get here early, get in your seats, get your beer, get your popcorn. Got your hot dogs and everything. You'll see the players introduced. There'll be some awards given out. Chance to give Marcus Semien a warm welcome. And then you can boo his ass for the rest of the Absolutely. homestand. And uh, Canadian Olympians are going to be down here. It's something we've waited for, not just baseball fans, but sports fans in this city have waited for for a long time. And when you look around here, man, you got the, the Leafs playing well. Austin Matthews is having a year that we haven't seen in a long time. The Raptors are going to the playoffs. Nobody wants to face them in the first round. And you got the Blue Jays opening up at home. It is a great, great time to be a Toronto sports fan. It's a great time to be a Toronto baseball fan. So for all of us here, for Tom Young here, for Derek back in the studio, Mark Boffo, our producer, Kevin Barker, I'm Jeff Blair. Thanks for joining us on Blair and Barker. We'll be back with Blue Jays talk after the game. We'll be back with Blue Jays talk following Saturday's game, Sunday's game, Blair and Barker, 10 o'clock Monday morning. We're on 360 as well. Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt, fan drive time. They'll take you right up the first pitch. Have a great weekend.